Hey guys, welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. I'm Judah Thomas, the lead pastor, and we thank you for joining us today as we discover what God's Word has to say to us. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd encourage you to leave a rating, review, share it with your friends or family, and we hope you enjoy today's message. But we want to welcome you here today, whether you're with us live or whether you're watching online. We're so glad uh, to have you. And... Um, we're going to be beginning our series in uh, the book of James, the book of James. And, um, and this is a great, great book of the Bible. You know, a lot of times when I, when I preach and teach, what I do is I, I do more um, uh, topical teachings where we'll, we'll find something that's uh, applicable to, to our life. You know, we just uh, got out of a series called the, the Power of Read. We looked at different words of the Bible that had to do with read. We've looked at different topics throughout the year, but from time to time, I like to just take a, a book of the Bible and just kind of say, okay, well, wh what does this have to say to us? Let's just use this as our outline. Let's go through it. Let's study it. Let's hear what God has to say to us. So actually, uh, what we're going to be doing, uh, if you're on the, uh, the Thrive Bible reading plan, uh, we're going to be reading through the book of James. Now, any of you that have ever read the book of James, know that it's a very short book, okay? It's only five chapters, and we're going to be in this series for several weeks. So here's what we're going to do. Okay, if you're getting the daily Bible reading plan, we're going to send you, every day we're going to send you a chapter, James, one, two, three, four, five. But then on the next day, guess what? We're going to send you chapter one again. It's not a mistake. We're doing it on purpose because what I've found is that a lot of times when we read the Bible, what do we do? Like we're doing a read the Bible in a year, do things like that. We're trying to cover a lot of ground. And it's kind of like we're just flying over it at 30,000 feet. And, and so what we're doing is saying, let, let, let's lower that airplane down a little bit. Let's look at it a little bit closer. So if for some reason you get in there and you're like, you know what, I, I can't read James anymore. I've had it up to here. It doesn't apply to my life anymore. We'll find something else in the Bible to read. But I think that you're going to be surprised that every time we read through the book of James, that you're going to find new practical things that stand out to you. And you're going to become an authority on the book of James, hopefully. So, so that's what we're going to be doing this coming month. If you haven't already uh, signed up for that daily Bible reading, I would encourage you to do so, or you can just read James over and over and over again for the next several weeks. So, um, but anyhow, James is such a great book because it is one of the most practical books in the Bible. I mean, this is like, like not theology. This is not like big doctrine things. This is like where the rubber meets the road, practical. And, and that's what I like. You know, it has to do with, with taming your tongue. I don't know if anybody needs, you know, has an issue with taming their tongue, controlling your tongue. Don't elbow anybody. But uh, sometimes we have a problem with the words that we say, don't we? And it talks about having faith and how that faith should be expressed through, through actions. It talks about grace and being a doer of God's word. Well, James was an interesting character because the guy that wrote the book of James, his name was James. And, uh, and this was James, not the disciple James, but James, the brother of Jesus. James, the brother of Jesus. Now, imagine, let's put ourselves in that, in that society for a little bit. And Jesus was born, and pardon my language, but Jesus was a bastard. Okay, that's how everybody looked at him. They looked at him as illegitimate. Because Mary comes along and says, I'm having a baby, but I never slept with anybody. And what's everybody say? 
Yeah, right. I mean, like, what would we say now? But girl, okay, I'm like, oh, I'm pregnant, but I've never been with... Yeah, right. Whatever. Like, they didn't believe that for one second. Like, most of the people... So, so he's illegitimate, you know, and, and in that society, if you're, if you're illegitimate, you're going to carry that stigma with you throughout your entire life. So here's James, born into this family, where Big Brother... It is, is a bastard by the literal definition of that word. I mean, he's illegitimate from all he knows. Now, as your mom and dad say otherwise, and maybe that's true, but they have a hard time really grasping that. So James is the half-brother of Jesus. You know, we believe that Jesus was born from Mary, but Mary as a virgin. So Joseph didn't be a plan part of it. But then afterwards, they had other kids. And so James, from what we can tell, was the first child born after. Mother was Mary, father was Joseph. So he was Jesus' half-brother. But if you think about Jesus, like how he treated his siblings, like I, it's no wonder they didn't really like him that much. I, there's a part in the Bible, some of you may remember it if you've been around church for a while, and Jesus is teaching all of his followers, and he's in a house and he's teaching them, and, and his family comes along to see him. It says his mother and brothers come to see him, and they're banging on the door, and, and somebody comes to the door and says, hey, we're here to see Jesus. So they pass the message along to Jesus, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are here. Now, they're probably a little embarrassed by everything that Jesus is doing, all that's going on. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus says, who's my mother and brothers? You here, you that are listening to me, you're my mother and brothers. And he doesn't even go say hi to him. I mean, he just like gives him the cold shoulder. Here's Jesus, the son of God, giving his brother and mother the cold shoulder. Like, I mean, that, that would cause some tension probably, you know, for get-togethers. You know, you get together for Thanksgiving, for Christmas. Well, I don't know, Christmas, how would they celebrate that then? It's just his birthday, right? Jesus' birthday. They get together for these things. And I mean, it's a little awkward. They're like, why did you not even come to the door? Listen to what Mark chapter 3.21 says. Uh, Mark 3.21 says, When his family heard what was happening... They tried to take him away. Listen to what they said. He's out of his mind, they said. Any of your family ever said that about you? <laughs> don't raise your hand on that, you know? Like, you're a, or have you ever said it about somebody in your family? You're like, oh, yeah, don't talk to, talk to Uncle, you know, Chico. He's bonkers, you know, he's out of his mind. Here's, you know, the, the, the family, Jesus' family saying he is out of his mind. Listen to what it says in John chapter 7. Starting at verse 2, it says, But soon it was a time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brothers, okay, Jesus' brothers, James was one of them, said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. Now I'm putting some sarcasm in here, because I, that's kind of how I picture this being said. And you'll see why in a moment. It says, Leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. Why? Why are we reading with sarcastic tone? Because verse 5, it says, For even his brothers, what? Didn't believe in him. Even his brothers didn't believe. They're like, yeah, Jesus, you want to make a big scene? Go to Judea. Yeah, show them your miracles. Yeah, go have a blast. You won't even come say hi to us when we come visit you. I mean, there is a little bit of tension here. Imagine if you had an older brother who was going around claiming to be the Messiah. You'd probably be like, you know what? 
I'm not sure, but maybe we should lock you up, you know? There, there's something wrong here. Interesting thing about James, though, is uh, James ended up becoming a leader in the church in Jerusalem. And for people that, for people that, that, that don't believe that Jesus is really God, to me, James is one of the best reasons that we should come to faith in Christ. Because here's the deal. If you can convince your brother that you're the Messiah, you probably got something going, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't do that. I couldn't convince my, my brothers that, that I'm the Messiah. Like, they're like, you know what? You're, you're a nice guy. Yeah, you pastor a church, but I know you are not the Messiah. You know, I, and it's like, come on, we can't convince our siblings of that. Imagine your sibling convincing you, oh, yeah, I'm the Messiah. But here, you know, James later on accepted that. And here's one of the reasons why we see that happen in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5 and 7. This is after Jesus rose from the grave again. He was crucified. He rose from the grave. He says, says he, being Jesus, was seen by Peter and by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Verse 7. Then he was seen by who? By James. It mentions him by name. It doesn't even mention the disciples by name, except Peter. It says he was seen by Peter, but it says he was seen by James and later by all of the apostles. Here's the deal. Your brother says, I'm the Messiah. Then, then he gets killed. You know that he's killed. He's buried in the grave, and then you see him again? Well, that has the possibility of convincing you that, wow, you know what, all these years, these 30 years, I've doubted this whole thing, but I think there's something to it. And we see that James actually becomes a leader in the church. And so he writes this book, the book of James. And, and here's, here's kind of where he starts. He just jumps right in. You know, and he talks about the trials and temptations that we face. Anybody in a trial right now? A couple of you going through difficult times, things that are coming at us, there are trials that we face. Maybe you're like, I'm sitting, seated right next to my trial, you know. I mean, don't elbow again. We don't allow that. Um, but listen to what James says. You know, he starts out with a welcome. He says, this letter, James 1.1, this letter's from James, a slave of God. That's an interesting word, isn't it? A slave, this is his brother. His brother, Jesus. But he's, I'm a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, that takes some humility. Come on, say, I, I'm his slave. I'm his servant. I, I exist just to serve him now. Letters from James, slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered along. Greetings. Hello. How are you doing? And then he's like, hello, and I'm going to jump right into it. And this is something that I struggle with. And, and I'm, I'm guessing that probably some of you struggle with as well. James 1, verse 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind... You might say, well, I got a trouble, but you can't relate to my trouble. Oh, my trouble's different than your trouble. doesn't matter. It's, a, it's, it's just all qualified. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, do what? Consider it an opportunity for what? Great joy. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. So that's the first point that we're going to kind of get from, from this section of James, is to stay joyful, if you're taking notes, stay joyful in trouble. Stay joyful in trouble. Now, now this verse, it doesn't say... If troubles come, 
We, we, we wish it said that, right? If troubles come, oh, well, maybe they won't, maybe they will. It says when troubles come. Anybody have any troubles ever in your life? I mean, come on. I mean, we, we've all been in trouble before. It says, when troubles come, stay joyful. We can expect them. We're not exempt from them. But now, now this, isn't, this isn't a denial that life hurts. This isn't denying that sometimes things just suck. You know, like life is just not going my way at the moment. It's not denying that. It's saying when this happens, some of you are suffering hurt and you're, you're, you're suffering pain right now in your life. I'm not talking about a phony, just like come, come to church, put on a smile, and somebody says, hey, how you doing? Oh, great. You know, and we just, we just put on this mask of joy. No, it says stay joyful. Joyful is something that comes from internal, inside of us. We can stay joyful, and we'll talk about why in a few moments. But God allows these trials to come into our life to test our faith. Now, some of us, before we start jumping, say, well, how could God let this happen? How could God let bad things happen? And man, some bad things happen in our world. Even this week, we've seen some horrible things that have happened in the lives of other followers of Christ. And man, our heart breaks and and our prayers go out to them. But before we start thinking bad about God, we got to realize something. If you have kids, you probably let your kids go through hard things too, don't you? Because if you just try to like shelter them and insulate them from everything bad, they're not going to grow up to be well-adjusted human beings. Sometimes we even say, I've personally inflicted pain and misery on my children, right? Like, you're like, you are not going to do xyz you're gonna be punished well you're the worst parent ever you know i've had my kids tell me that before like okay i'm sorry but you can't go to dance this week that doesn't make me the worst parent ever but um but i'm sorry because sometimes we as a parent have to inflict a certain amount of discomfort onto our children's life why because we want to be a well hopefully that's not the reason why and if so, then, then you need counseling. But um, usually the reason why is because we want them to grow. We want them to one day graduate and get a job and pay their own bills. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, you can't go to school without a test, can you? You go to school and we're just tested. We're tested. We have exams. We have quizzes. We have all these things. You, you, if you want to move on, you got to pass the test. Here's the thing. God is more interested in your character than in your comfort. God is more interested in your character than in your comfort. And, and we don't like that. I was having a conversation with some folks uh, a couple weeks ago where everybody's agreed, like, not enough character. But, you know, God looks at us no, 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 you're not quite done yet. <laughs> and he's more interested in us building character than just in our comfort. So consider your response to the trials and difficulties that you face in your life. You know, pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. You, we're all going to suffer pain. We're all going to suffer discomfort. But we can choose not to be miserable. You know, there's people out there, maybe you know them, maybe you are one, who can be having a good day and still be miserable. You know anybody like that? I mean, again, don't, don't like point, you know, but it's like, we can, I can be having the greatest day. Oh, it's the greatest day in the world. But no, something's bad. Well, you know, my leg hurts and my this hurts and my bunions. And, you know, and it's like, 
Like we're, we're just having a miserable day. Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. Listen to what the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. He says, so be truly glad. This, this is like crazy, but listen. He says, so be truly gr- glad because there is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. I talk to people sometimes like, I don't understand why God has let this difficult thing happen to me in my life. And people get this mentality that once I follow God, everything is going to be good. We're all throughout the Bible. We see this reoccurring theme. He says, you must endure trials for a little while. So if you're going through something difficult in your life, we just say, you know what? This is what God has already promised for us. Verse 7 says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine, though. It's a test to show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as a fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it'll bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. How do you purify gold? You purify it by heating it up. You melt it, and when they melt the gold, when they, when they mine the gold out of the ground, it's got all kinds of impurities in it, but you melt it, and those impurities rise to the top, and you can scrape those impurities off, and then it becomes more pure. And that's what God does to us. So the next thing it teaches us, first is to stay joyful in trouble, the next is to know what's really going on. See, sometimes the bad thing, the trial, the pain, the difficulty we're facing, it can become actually a distraction. We get so focused on that that we miss the lesson that God is trying to teach us through it. We're so focused on this bad thing happening that I'm not aware of what God's trying to teach me. And in James 1, verse 3 now, it says, For you know that when your faith is tested, you're what? Your endurance has a chance to grow. Your endurance. So let it grow. Let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, not needing anything. So you're like, well, I'm already perfect and complete, right? Well, you know, ask your family if you really are. I mean, what, what's the deal with endurance? Man, we, we're running through this race of life, and we need endurance. And here it's saying, you want to become mature in your faith in Christ? You want to you grow closer to God? There's one thing that you need, and that's endurance. God wants to develop you. He wants to build perseverance in your life. All the trials, all the difficulties that we face, they're going to point to the very one thing, this endurance, this perseverance, this is spiritual maturity. And quite frankly, some of us are trying to run away from the very thing that God is using to build that character. We're running from the very thing that God wants to, to develop and, and he wants to give us as a gift. It was a, a legend, I don't know if it's true or not, but of a Scottish discus thrower. Kind of a Scottish discus, it's kind of a tongue twister there, but... um. He heard about discus and he wanted to do it. You know, who wouldn't? It's like throwing a Frisbee that weighs a lot. And um, so he, he like looks and he sees, oh, that's what it is. So, so he saw like a drawing when he went and he made one. And uh, 
and, and he made he trained with it. There was a problem with it, though. He made it out of solid metal. He didn't know what they were supposed to be made out of. And he made it out of solid metal, and he would practice, and he was like, man, this is harder than it looks. And he started throwing it and throwing it and throwing it. And he got to the point where he felt like he was able to qualify. And then he goes and he qualifies, and he gets there, and he's getting ready to, 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 to do his discus throwing. And they hand him a discus, and he's like, what? It's made out of wood? With a metal rim around it, he takes the thing and he chucks it and he sets a new record. Why? Because he trained under a burden. He trained under difficulty. People that want to go and they want to run races, oftentimes what do they do? They put backpacks, they put weights on. They're like, man, because if I can run with all this load on, when I take it off, man, look what I'm going to be able to do. He trained under a burden. And sometimes that's what God's doing with us. He's putting us under a burden so that we can be stronger. It's like being on a family trip. You're traveling somewhere. We just did it recently, traveling down south. Get in the car. Kids are like, are we there yet? <laughs> like 15 hours, kids. <laughs> Been in the car like 10 minutes. Uh, we're not there. We're not going to be there for quite a while. Why? Because, because they, you know, and we're driving through beautiful, beautiful scenery, beautiful areas, but, but they're so focused on the destination and they forget they're immature. They don't realize that there's an aspect of the journey. And in our own faith, we're like, we're like, we want things, but we're not focused on, on the journey. We want blessings. We want maturity. But we forget that we have to go on a road, a journey of growth to get there. Family is a great school of character. You know, living with a spouse, living with the kids, living with your parents, living with siblings. Man, because when we learn to, to live with them, we learn not to yell, not to scream, not to kick the dog, you know, things like that. It begins to, to build some of these perseverance, build this endurance in us. But oftentimes when we're in trials, we're in difficulties, what is our prayer to God? Our prayer is, God, get me out of this. Instead of our prayer being, well, what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this experience? Because oftentimes, we don't really know what we're made of until we get into a little bit of hot water, right? We get into these trials, these difficulties. We're like, man, it's hot. Man, it burns. But, but God is really trying to work something in us. He's trying to bring out these qualities and these characteristics in our life that he's been putting there. He wants to develop character and endurance. And we're like, but I don't want to be in hot water. I think it's safe to say that tea has not reached its full potential until it has gone through hot water. You're going to tell what you're made of when you get into hot water, when you get into these difficult times that we faced. So we got to realize what's going on. We realize that God is building character in us. And then what do we do? The next point is to let it grow. Let it grow. James chapter 1, we're going to verse 3 now. It says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. How is your endurance going to grow? It's going to grow when your faith has been tested. Verse 4, So let it grow. See, we want to stop it. We want to get in the way. We want to say, no, 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 God, this hurts too much. I don't, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to learn anything. I just want this to be over with. Just, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, 
needing nothing. I would, I would guess to say that, that we've all been through difficult times and probably some of the best character qualities that are in our life, we can look back and say, I learned that when I went through this difficult time that I faced. I learned how to treat other people kindly when I went through this difficult time. But here's the deal, though. God won't build our character without our cooperation. He's not going to build your character unless if you cooperate. Because you can go through a trial and say, I'm not going to learn anything. But if you think about it, though, it's kind of counterproductive because you're still going to go through the trial anyway. You're just going to come out of it just as dumb as when you went into it, you know? But if you say, at least I'm going to learn something while I'm there, well, at least some good has come from it. God's not going to shape us without us giving him permission, though. You know, it's like that sometimes we want to we want to shelter our kids from things, but we can't shelter them. We want to try to shelter ourselves from the trials that we face in life, but then we don't mature. Because here is the deal. My dad taught me this when I was really young, when I had a teacher that I didn't like. She always got on my nerves. She was always like yelling at me for things I didn't think I did. And, and I was I was angry and my dad was teaching me. He's like, you know, you need to learn how to respond to her. And he said something that always resounded in my mind. He said this, he says, if you don't learn your lesson, you're going to go through it again. You're going to go through it again. It's just like school. One of my big fears when I was going to school was staying back a grade. Now maybe you stay back a grade. Maybe it's not that bad. I don't know. But I never, I was terrified of staying back a grade because what did I know? If I mess up this time, I got to go back and do it again. And I don't want to do it again. I want the least amount of school possible. Like, I just want to get out of this place. And, and so that, that's what happens in our life. If you don't learn the lesson God has for you, you're going to go through it again and again and again until you get it. You're going to repeat the grade. But here's the irony. Did you know some of, the, some of the trials that you're going through are the very answers to your prayers? You know, and I joke, we joke about patience because it's a good piece of God. I just need more patience. And I need it now, you know? And it's like, and you get stuck in a traffic jam. And you're like, God, why'd you put me in this traffic jam? He's like, well, you said you wanted to learn patience. And this is how you do it. This is, I mean, it's not like a boom, here, take the magic pill and you got patience. No, you got to learn this. You say, oh, oh I want to have a lot of money. Well, then you got to get on the right path for that. You got to go to medical school and spend all this time and energy doing this stuff. And well, here's the path to go do that. You, we pray for things in our life. God, I want to have a, a great loving relationship with my spouse. God, I want to get good grades in school. God, I want to pass this exam. He's like, okay, fine. Here's the path you got to go on, and it's going to be a little bit difficult. So how do you become successful? It says we become successful by letting our endurance grow. There, there was a, a young, you know, a young person and he went and asked an older businessman. He wanted to know, what's the secret of success in business? He said, how do you become successful in business? And the, and the older, wiser businessman said, two words, good decisions. The young guy thought about it. Okay, that's good. Then he said, how do you make good decisions? And the older man thought about it. Gave him one word, experienced. The young guy says, okay, that's great. How do you get experienced? And the guy says, Two words, bad decisions, <laughs> right? Man, that's how, you know, that's how we get experience oftentimes is the difficulties, the trials that we face. The last point, 
we're going to look at is, is this, this final one, ask for God's help. Ask for God's help. Someone's like, oh, I don't need that one. Or, oh, that's, that's just simple. Everybody knows that. But it's amazing how long it takes before we really turn to God sometimes. We're going through a difficulty and like, like I, I'm just, it just takes me a while before I actually take that step and turn to God. We try everything else on the planet first. We try the self-help. We try the counseling. We try the pills. We try all this other stuff before we even turn to God. And in verse 5, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. You ever meet people like that? Sometimes I'm like that, like, where you want to go to eat? I don't know. Do I want this? Do I want that? I don't know. We're going back and forth. That's okay if you're just talking about where you want to go eat. But when it comes to faith in God, it says don't waver. Because the divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea is blown and tossed by the wind. Verse 7, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Man, talk about hardcore. We say, well, God just doesn't answer my prayers. Are you wavering in your faith? Because if you are, he just says, clear and plain, don't expect anything. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Verse 8. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything you do. But back to verse 5, says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. If we need wisdom, we should ask God for it. How many of us need wisdom? We all need wisdom. He says, ask him for it, and he'll give it to you. He won't rebuke you. Ask for it with faith, unwavering faith. What is, what is he telling us? He's not saying, don't pray for for just safety. Don't pray, God, can you bail me out of this situation? He's saying, God, give me wisdom. What's wisdom? It's probably, it's, it's, it's like the ability to apply what you already know. Like most of us probably already know the right stuff, but it's the ability to actually apply that. What should I be learning? It's like this story I heard. This is a farmer, and I don't know, he had a donkey out there, and he was walking around, and the donkey fell in a well. And he fell in the well, and they're like, how do we get this donkey out? And he's, he's trying to figure out how to get the donkey out. Nobody wants to climb down there. He's like, how do we get the donkey out? They're thinking about it. He brings some friends over there. How do we get the donkey out of the well? And the farmer's like, you know what? That, that donkey's old anyhow. We don't really need that donkey. I got other donkeys that are better donkeys than that. So you know what let's do? Let's just, let's just bury the thing. So they all grab shovels and they start throwing in dirt, throwing in dirt, throwing in. We're going to just bury this donkey alive. I mean, how horrible is that? And, they're th- and then they look down there and they realize something. Whenever they throw a shovel full of dirt down on the donkey, the donkey shakes and he takes a step up a little bit. And he shakes and he steps up and they keep shoveling and shoveling and shoveling. And before long, the donkey steps out of the well and walks away. And sometimes... We're stuck in a well and people are throwing dirt at us. And the very thing that, that's getting thrown at us, we just got to shake it off and step up. Shake it off and step up. Shake it off and step up. You may be going through some trials, some difficulties right now. You're like, this is just too much. This is going to kill me. It's going to bury me alive. Shake it off and step up. Shake it off and step up because God has made you an overcomer through Christ. We can ask for wisdom, and we can step up off of these things that are coming at us. And James 1.12, says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. And afterward, what? They will receive the crown of life that he's promised 
to those that love him? Do you want strength in your life? Do you want victory in your life? Do you want prosperity in your life? We need to endure. We need to shake off these difficulties that come at us, these trials, these words of, of, you know, of discouragement, these thoughts that are coming at us. We need to shake these things off and step up. And that very thing that we think is coming to hurt us is often the actual thing that's going to give us the deliverance and ability to step out in faith. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you for your word which teaches us. And we thank you that you've given us the ability to overcome the obstacles, the trials in our life. You've given us the ability to shake off and step up, to shake off and step up. And Lord, there's some trials going on in here. I don't even know what they are. There's difficulties. There's relationships that are broken. There's kids that are at, at their siblings' necks and, and at their parents, they feel like their parents are coming down on them and it's time to shake it off and step up. There's parents that feel like their kids are coming at them, maybe your spouses. There's people that are working jobs and you feel like everything is caving in around you. There's health issues. And Lord, help us to shake these things off and step up closer to you. We put our faith in you. And man, if your own brother James can believe in you, man, we can believe in you too. And we confess that you are the Lord of our life. Shape us. Help us to have endurance. And yeah, we don't like to go and we don't like to have our character built. We'd rather have our comfort. And we're like, man, God, this situation sucks. But we know that you are there to build faith and endurance in us so help us to pass the test so we don't got to go through it again. Help us to learn from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand up. And, uh, and let's, just, let's just let whatever things that have come at us, let's just let them fall aside and let's focus on Jesus right now. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.